Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am one of the hosts, one of three, three hosts that come together to be one host in some weird human centipede Voltron kind of way. Uh, I'm Jahananan, the board game guru and game master extraordinaire, the middle of this human centipede. It's me, Casualty CDG, the feet of the human centipede, a.k.a. if we were three guys stacked up in a trench coat, I'd have the big shoes on. I'm a retired comedian turned comedian and comedian. Everybody, welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast, and this is your media and movie mastermind, the funhouse, Drew Munhausen, and welcome to episode 58 of Fresh Out Podcast. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Was it good? Did it I was good. good. I knew th- I knew that you were imitating me, so it was good enough. <laughs> Imitation is the, w- the highest form of flattery. Isn't that the quote, right? Yeah. There you go. Oh, well, in that <laughs> case, let me do some flattering of my... I'm oh, no, do do it. All right. <laughs> Gosh, we're uh, we're on a roll on a tonight. Roll. I want to talk about movies. Well, I always want to talk about movies, and you guys know this. But here's here's what I'm getting at, right? So we're pretty much through with the summer blockbuster season, right? Mm-hmm. Like we had Thor um, come out at the beginning of July, and then Nope came out last month and we had bullet train last week and and then a bunch of bots bought tickets for top gun no real people (laughs) bought tickets tickets to top gun because it's great uh my dad cried yeah (laughs) as he should so we we're in a we we've now hit that lull in the season and Guys, I'm a bit distressed right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, as somebody that likes to go to the movie theaters to see movies, um, you know, I, I it's been a promising summer. Theaters have been able to make money. There's been movies making money. Top Gun's made over a billion dollars. Minions made a lot of money. Um, what else made a lot of money? Uh Jurassic World made a lot of money. Thor's making a lot of money. <laughs> Doctor Strange made a lot of money. There's movies making money. I forgot about and Jurassic now World. We've hit a little bit of a wall to the point where I'm actually going to go through some of the movies coming out Ooh. between now and the end of the year to see. I'm interested in gauging y'all's thoughts because obviously I'm the one that'll go see any and everything in theaters. And you all, and I say this as a positive, are maybe a little bit more, you know, you pick and choose the things that you want to go spend your money and time on to go see in person. And I will say of of the movies, looking at some of the big, the big blockbuster movies coming out, you've got Black Adam is out in October. Um, you have... Shazam, Fury of the Gods in December, and Avatar, The Way of Water in December. Those are some of the big, big budget um, 
films coming out. There's some animated ones too. There's a Puss in Boots sequel, Strange Worlds, which is the next Disney one. But oh, and I, I forgot, of course, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So sprinkled in there throughout October, November, and, and December. And any of those that you all are particularly excited for? I am very excited for Black Panther. Uh, super excited for that. Um, <clears throat> Strange Worlds actually looks really good. Uh, I was surprised. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't expect it. It wasn't something I was like planning on seeing. But have a cool like, homage to like the classic '50s, '60s sci-fi movies. It looks kind of neat. It looks neat. Yeah, like I liked. I saw the trailer. I liked the trailer. I was actually like, huh, that actually looks like one of the better ones uh, from uh, Disney that I've seen in a while. Uh, Avatar. I would have been excited for ten years ago. Uh, Shazam! I I'm, was. I will be the one to say I'm still excited for it. I'm excited for Avatar: The Way of Water. I don't think I. I just don't. I don't know. I'll. I'll watch it. I'll probably see it in theaters as soon as it comes out, and I imagine we'll do a, an episode about it. But uh, Shazam! I was excited for until I saw the trailer, <laughs> and like I don't know, man. Like it doesn't look that great. Uh, I mentioned it once before, but, uh, what's his name? Zach, Zach Levy? The Shazam guy, he looks like he's aged, like, 30 years since the first movie. So, like, I don't know, man, it's really weird. And then Black Adam, eh. Well, to be clear, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll walk it back, like I said. And I'm not gonna name every single movie coming out, so I don't need anybody... Getting in my mentions saying, oh, you didn't talk about getting his mentions that I'm excited for. Actually, yeah, that, that is a good idea, honestly. If there's a movie that you want Drew to talk about, then add him on Twitter at Drew Munhausen. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess that, yeah, good point. So let's see. On August 12th, there's a movie called Fall, and I've seen the posters for this. It's about some friends that are at the top of a 2,000-foot radio tower stuck there. I think it's like a horror thriller <laughs> kind of thing. I've seen the tra- trailer um, for that. Yeah. August 19th, you've got Beast, which this is the Idris Elba movie where he's hunting a lion. There have been some trailers out there for it. It actually looks pretty good. Uh, let's see, there's a horror movie on the 26th called The Invitation. Let's see. Hmm. Skip some of these. Skipping, skipping. You got Clerks 3, September 13th, but I think that's just a Fathom Events, like a limited release. I don't think it's going wide, so, uh, I'm, but I'm sure we'll, we'll all see Clerks 3 at some point as Kevin Smith fans. Yeah. Um. Pearl, which comes out uh, September 16th. This is a, a semi-prequel to a movie called X, a horror movie that came out last March that I actually really liked. But this is, uh, you know, I don't think this movie is going to be for everyone. It's not going to be a, a huge, you know, spectacular hit or anything by any means. Um, there's a David Bowie movie called uh Moon Age Daydream that's coming out September 23rd. You got Don't Worry Darling, which is the Olivia Wilde directed movie with Florence Pugh and Harry Styles that that famously where Olivia Wilde met Harry Styles and their relationship started. I saw Gary's eyes roll in the back of his head so far. (laughs) I thought he was going to go blind. (laughs) There's a horror movie at the end of September called Smile. There's a, a 
movie that was written by Billy Eichner coming out called Bros that's getting some early buzz. There is let's see, Halloween Ends in October. That'll probably be a pretty big one. Black Halloween Adam. Ends. <laughs> yeah, Halloween Ends. Jeez. This is the, the, the final... Looks like what will actually be Jamie Lee Curtis's final appearance in the Halloween franchise. This is the, you know, ever since they kind of did this, these legacy sequel movies that started with Halloween a few years ago. You know, they did Halloween, then Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. Yeah, it's going to have to be her only movie, uh, her last movie, because people only live so long, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> She's running out of time. Yeah, the next one will be Halloween reanimated, and they'll use her likeness. <laughs> the main character just holds her in an urn the whole time. <laughs> He's after no, my grandma. They'll use like a CG version of her, and she'll be Michael Myers. Mm, no, I just want her to be in an urn. I would, I would watch that. Amsterdam comes out in November. Um, this is actually the new David O. Russell film, which he's the one that did Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle and a few others. But the cast of this movie, just listen to this. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Chris Rock, Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana, Mike Myers, Michael Shannon, Timothy Oliphant, Andrea Riseborough, Taylor Swift, Alessandro Nivola, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro. All in the cast. Can you imagine being that third guy? What's the third guy? John David, John David Washington. That's Denzel's son. He's the lead of Tenet, and uh, he's been in some good stuff. Oh, no. I like John David Washington. He was in... He's uh, the one whose name I didn't know. Black Klansman and Tenet, up and up and coming movie star, for sure. Cool, yeah. I, didn't, I don't know anything about him and haven't seen either of those films. Did you ever watch the, the Rock HBO show called Ballers? Uh, man, just a very little bit of it. Uh, I, I watched like three or four episodes the first season and realized that show's probably not for me. He's he's in that too. <laughs> um, let's see. I we talked about Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Um, there's also a movie called Armageddon Time, which is the new James Gray film, which I really like his stuff. If you saw Ad Astra a couple years ago, really good space movie that I highly recommend. I like anything from James Gray. Let's see what else. Skipping over the Fablemans. That's a big one. November, uh, right around Thanksgiving time. This is Steven Spielberg's next movie. Okay. Uh, it's kind of an autobiographical film um, that stars. Let's see. Uh, Paul Dano, Michelle Williams, Seth Rogen. Should be pretty good. Love me some Paul Dano. Spielberg. Have you ever heard of him? He's a <laughs> you know pretty good director. Uh, some people have heard of him. I don't know if y'all have. Did you say Gilberg, as in the former <laughs> WWE champion? I did not say Gilberg. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy that Gilberg has been brought up on this podcast. What's a Gilberg? Gilberg, oh. I'm so glad you asked. Oh, uh, they no. were doing oh, a, no. Why did doing you a ask? Thing God. I knew during I was the doing. Monday night, During the Monday Night Ratings Wars, uh, they did this big thing like they were acting like they had Goldberg. Like, they were acting like they had this tough, bald, bad guy they brought in from the outside. And then, like, they were playing this knockoff Goldberg music, and they did, like, the camera in the back dressing room thing. 
and this really scrawny guy came out like bald shaved from head to toe wearing the black goldberg gloves and was like rah rah punching himself in the head getting himself psyched up and then came out and they sprayed him down with sparklers instead of having the huge fireworks like they would like just guys with sparklers were just standing there like hosing him with the sparks and then they put him out with a fire extinguisher uh, and <laughs> okay. was in the ring and Triple H was just dying laughing because that's who he had to defend the belt against and he thought he was going to get his ass whooped by Goldberg but then Gilberg came out and speared him and pinned him and won the belt and Excellent. it was just absolutely fantastic what a high moment in WWF WWE history uh, Gilberg will live on forever and uh, he's still around to this day. I saw him on a podcast recently, and he, he uh, had the belt. Him and his dad were really proud about it. You know, they know it was a joke, but he's still a WWF champion, and they can never take that away from him. He should read a book. <laughs> My life as a former WWF champion. I'm sure he has written a book. You should, we need to look up Gilberg and see what he's up to these days. So he's in a movie? No. <laughs> Gary compared it to the Gilberg of movies. Um, you know, I, I went through a list, and a lot of this, honestly, was just um, for my own interest, because a lot of those movies, I think, are things I'm interested in, but I don't know if you all necessarily will be, which is kind of the point, right? Of of those lists, I mean, what of those are, do you think you all will go out to the theater to see? If you had Not to go... the one that's directed by Gilberg. I don't want to see the one about the autobiographical Gilbert movie. These big know, budget ones. Like, Gary, are you going to go see Black Adam in theaters? If you guys make me the same way you guys made me go see Jurassic bullcrap, Black Adam's <laughs> going to be terrible. But I think that my love for The Rock will carry me through that movie. Um, if I If I must go see it, then I'll be able to survive because The Rock is charismatic in theaters i can guarantee i'll see black panther and avatar uh <clears throat> if we wind up doing discussion stuff on black adam and shazam i will also do those and maybe in strange uh, strange worlds so i would assume we'll do discussions on black adam black panther and avatar for sure i don't know if we'll do shazam it's right after avatar i feel like it's gonna get kind of left in avatar some dust I don't know. It's a terrible to time to release a subpar movie. What are you doing? But what, what do you all think? Are, am, am I am I right to be worried about the theatrical landscape between now and the end of the year? Like, summer I mean, was kind of refreshing from following the box office numbers, but am I right to be worried? Are we... This doesn't even include, you know, all the big streaming movies that will be coming out. Yeah. So there, you know, there's going to be things like Knives Out, too. Uh, or what, so what is, that's what I was going to say, Drew, like is uh, this may not be the season for movies. This is going to be a big season for shows, right? Don't and we have, video games. I think we have a bunch of streaming shows coming out. Um, man, I wish I knew what they all were. But I know that, like, the I Am Groot show Lord of the Rings. August. But yeah, is Lord of the Rings, like, within the next couple weeks? It's got House because... of the Dragon starts in, in a week from when this podcast will be will be. Driving. Oh, okay. You've so got... that is going to keep people out of theaters. You know, that's going to keep people on streaming services. So maybe it's almost smart to time your theatrical releases this way. 
you know, to not have a bunch of big movies try to come out when all the good streaming shows are about to come out. Uh, it's a new thing you have to compete with. It's a new market. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a good point. I don't even have a list in front of me just off the top of my head. House I mean, of the Dragon, She-Hulk, Andor, ooh. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I assume Ted Lasso the next season will come out still this year. And those are just all in the uh, next I saw him on a on a possible list of characters for that multiverse fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> I think Warner Brothers or something owns him and yeah, so he was on the list and I I thought that was really funny. Um but yeah, man, I don't know. Movies, like, going to the movies used to be a big part of my life. Like, I would go all the time. Uh, but since the pandemic, man, like, my social anxiety's gotten so bad, I gotta pick and choose, like, times when I can go where I don't think that it's gonna be as crowded. I gotta pick, you know, what movie, you know, because I'm just not gonna go every time, you know? It's just not... And now, like, people are gonna be rubbing monkey pox all over she- uh, the, the, the seats, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'd rather watch it home. It's just how I am now, I guess. You know, and movies, yeah, sure, they're better in theaters. Uh, you got that giant screen, all the like. That's how they're meant to be seen. Yes, but I'm comfortable at home, man. You know. Yeah. Enough. Fair enough. I think. You know, I I, I just think it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch for through the end of the year. Of course. I'll be on here talking about it every week as things develop and as movies bomb or as they do surprisingly well. I mean, who knows? Who knows what we'll see? I think it'll be interesting, but that's a good lead into all of the things that we have been watching, which speaking of streaming shows, because I know that we didn't get to talk about it last week. So first thing, Jahan, I want to give you a platform to talk a little bit about Sandman and what you've been experiencing with that so far yeah man so Sandman, you know neil gaiman is the guy neil gaiman is great does a lot of great he's a great writer um loved american gods i've read some of Sandman. uh it wasn't like my favorite a lot of it's like there's a lot of anthology stuff going on where it's not necessarily like directly related to like a main storyline blah 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 but they're well written this show i wasn't sure what to expect um could have gone either way. The first episode didn't have me fully invested. I was like, okay, this is interesting, but I don't know where they're going to go from here. You know what I mean? Like, it's very high concept. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, he, the main character is the embodiment of the concept of dreams. Like, he is Dream the Endless. That's who the main character of the show is. You know, that's pretty out there. Uh, and I wasn't sure how they were going to, like, humanize that, make that a story that you wanted to see. Uh, and in the first episode, they don't really. But the subsequent episodes, it really, you know, he deals with, like, a loss of his powers, the collapse of the dreamscape, that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's kind of, like, the plot of the, the, the show. I'm on episode, like, four now. Um, they introduced um, Joanna Constantine, who is... A uh, gender swapped. I believe she's a gender. She's either a gender swapped John Constantine or his descendant. I'm not positive, um, but everything you expect from Constantine, she's got going in space. She's played by um, probably the most attractive Doctor Who companion to ever walk the face of the earth. Uh, she's great. I loved her in Doctor Who. I forget her name, but. Um, 
She was really good as uh, Joanna Constantine. And the, the story gets really good. The visuals are out of control. Like, I don't know what the budget on this show is. The visuals are insane. Like, they go to the dream world, you know what I mean? He goes to the endless dream, and they show it, and it's amazing, man. There's a bridge that gets lifted out of the water by, like, giant stone hands. Uh, you know, there's a CGI gargoyle dragon creature that looks pretty good. Um, in the episode I'm watching right now, they show hell, and it looks bananas. Uh, and they've got some pretty big, you know, British uh, actors here. Um... One Looks of like whom... Netflix spent a pretty penny on this show. I'm seeing some rumors of anywhere of 165 million dollars on the on the first season, upwards of that. So it sounds like they they did spend a fair amount on it. I'm worried for the future of the show because of everything going on with like Warner Brothers, DC, and all this because this is a DC property. Um, but yeah, Gina Coleman is Joanna Constantine. She's great. Uh, we got Gwendolyn Christie who plays Brienne of Tarth. Uh, she is Lucifer uh, in this. You have um, just a lot of a lot of great names, a lot of great British names. David uh, Thewlis is uh, one of the one of the be- uh, antagonists in this. I love David Thewlis. I can't think of uh, other stuff he's in, but I also is is he in Harry Potter? Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's Professor, he's, he's, Professor Lupin. Lupin. Yeah, and he's been a lot of other stuff uh, as well. There's just like the cast is really solid. Um, apparently Mark Hamill was in this. I didn't get to that episode yet. But, you know, it's it's a great show. Uh, they didn't have me in the first episode. I'm episode four, and now I'm invested. Now I'm hooked. Like, it got to the point where I was like, I was like, oh, I better put my phone down and pay attention. You know, like, this is getting really good. Um, which is such a millennial issue to have, I guess. But, um, I, I think people should watch this. I think Sandman is worth the watch. It is. Sandman, is this an HBO Max show? This is Netflix. This is on Netflix. Netflix. Okay, when you said it was a DC property, I just assumed it was on HBO. Right? It's really weird this is on Netflix. All this is really weird, but, you know, and it makes me worry for a season two. But uh, there's 10 episodes out already. Watch first four. Fantastic. Uh, really cool, like, demons, really cool lore. If you like that kind of stuff, if you like that supernatural kind of stuff, this has it in spades. And it deals with the strange magic of being the endless dream uh, in a very, very cool ways. So, yeah, definitely watch it. Hour-long episodes? Yes, hour-long episodes, ten of them. Uh, some of them might go over, but, yeah. Yikes. Hour-long. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't know. I'll I love I... some hour-long episodes. Whatever, you love watched it. The Irishman, <laughs> didn't you? It's like a five-hour feature film by legendary Martin Scorsese. That is a five-hour march to nowhere, my friend. Together, it's a five-hour march to nowhere. <laughs> no, I like that movie actually, but yeah, um, Sam and Watch. Sam and Watch. Fair enough. Fair enough. I wanted to make sure we got to that off the bat um, I because I know that I know there's a lot of people that are really anticipating that show and that. You know, speak highly of the books. I personally have not read them, but would like to. Jahan and I were actually talking um, offline about just the barrier for me is the is the cost. I don't own any of the graphic novels. There's like a lot of graphic novels, and they're all you know twenty five, thirty bucks a piece. You could buy these hundred dollar omnibus books, but I just you know 
I don't know if I save yourself I, some I money. Go spend right go spend ten bucks on a paperback of American Gods. Call it a day. Yeah, that book's worth the read. Well, um, changing gears a little bit, I want to talk about bodies, 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 which. My at this point, I want that not to be the title of a thing. I want that just oh. to be what you want to talk about. Body, yaddy, 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 yaddy. It is the title of a thing. Is this is A24's uh, newest movie? I was able to go see this, and uh, I reviewed this for Nerdropolis as well. And it is a where to even start? It's a dark comedy satire slasher film. And the general plot is it's a group of friends that are staying together in a mansion um, while weathering a hurricane. So they're all just, and they're like, a lot of them are lifelong friends. Um, Pete Davidson is in this. He plays the one who's hosting them all there. They're staying at his house. Um, I'm sold, main, bro. I'm sold. The, the main girl is played by Maria Bakalova, who uh, gained fame because she was in Borat subsequent movie film. This is the girl that played Borat's daughter. She's the lead of this movie. Amanda Stenberg's in it. Lee Pace is, is in it. Is she the one that Rudy Giuliani uh, tried to sexually molest? Yes, Excellent. Indeed. Um, so she's in this. So anyway, this is um, it, this is one of those movies that's totally a satire of like the Gen Z online social media age kids and, and where they're at, you know, heads down in phones and and so they're all hanging out together. Um, they play a game while, you know, there's a hurricane going on. They lose power, yada, yada. They, they're playing a game that they call Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And the way their game works is everybody draws a piece of paper. Whoever gets the one with the X on it is the killer. And <laughs> nice. the game is, you know, you all are crawling around in the dark. If the killer finds you, he touches you on the back and you are, you know, pretend dead. And then everybody has to figure out who the killer is. Well, naturally, somebody actually dies, which then sets off the series of murders and them trying to figure out who who's who done it. So what I really liked about this movie, though, is that the stakes are high, right? People are dying, but the quarrels are so dumb. Like, oh, well, you don't text back in our in our text message thread enough (laughs) or, you know, sus, bro. That's real sus. Or, like, ironically, y'all will like this. One of the girls uh, in the movie started her own podcast, and they all secretly make fun of her behind her back for her podcast that she started. And, like, it is, it explores the idea of. Um, life. Do you think that, uh, you think that people make fun of us for our show behind our back? <laughs> they just make fun of us because, like, they've never tried to do anything in their whole lives. So, you know? <laughs> That's why people make fun of creatives because they can't even, they can't even. That's why. This sounds great, Drew. Bodies, bodies, bodies sounds great. You're I'm sold, man. I'm gonna watch this. Pro- I might watch this tonight. <laughs> it explore. Well, it's it's coming out. It'll be in theaters uh, wide. I think on the twelfth. I don't know when it'll be on demand or when we'll be able to see it. But it'll be in theaters. But I might go to theater to see this, bro. I might go. <laughs> it's it totally explores the idea, and I, I like this. And Gary and I have talked about this before with with some of our other friends. I won't name any names, but it explores the idea of lifelong friendships that you have when the people that you've been friends with for a lot of your life may not be the people you would have chosen as friends now. 
in your current life, <laughs> but these are the people that you're essentially stuck with. So it explores that. Like, they all talk about each other behind each other's backs and, you know, whatever, but they're all best friends at the same time. And, um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of comedy throughout, but there are some slasher things. But I will say the the resolution to it, or you know the 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 ending is just as satisfying as it is hilarious in my mind. So um, I do highly recommend Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I think some people might find the the Gen Z humor and some of that stuff to be a little cringy, but for me, I thought the satire just worked really well i found it to be uh, very fun and this is one that i went to you know i got to go see a press screening and i didn't have any any expectations so i was kind of you know knocked out of my shoes i, I thought it was very entertaining and, and very fun so <laughs> no i think Gen Z is great man uh no see we were just talking about what we're gonna go to the theater to see this is something i might go see man this sounds like a, this sounds like a winner to me yeah, so it's an A24 release, so if you like A24 movie, it kind of has that vibe of, like, you know, some of their gritty, pop, punky, you know, I don't know how to explain it. Neon lights, that kind of stuff. I don't, it, it's it's good. I, I do recommend. So that's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Other than that, you know, I don't have too much, honestly. I've, I have a few movies that I've been checking out. I did go see DC League of Super Pets. Uh, you know, because why not? <laughs> and to be honest, I was pretty underwhelmed with it. I, Gary, you mentioned The Rock before. No! Your love for The Rock will, will make you go see these things, and that's how it was with this, but even The Rock and Kevin Hart both uh, just seemed like they were phoning it in totally. This was a paycheck movie. The animation I didn't find to be particularly uh, wonderful, even compared... Like, I know, say what you will about something like Lightyear, the animation in that is fantastic. And then by comparison, something like DC League of Super Pets, it's, like, pretty bland, and... I don't know. There's a lot of big-name voice actors in it, and there are some some things that work, but... I don't know. I just I just had higher hopes for this, and it being... Here's what I just... Realm. Don't understand about the DC pets, or the Marvel pets, or the you-name-it pets, is... They're, like, targeted at kids, right? But, like, when you were a kid, did you want a Spider-Man dog or did you want a Spider-Man toy? Like, you didn't want the Batman cat. Nobody wanted that. You wanted Batman. Like, these pets are dumb. Nobody wants this. Little it's, kids want <laughs> cool action figures. It's like cool your... Heroes. They don't want animal yep. versions. It's the worst. You have a good point because it's like they're targeting... Uh, kids with something based on something that already targeted kids in the first place. Uh, yeah, it is, this didn't work when we were growing up. We didn't want to watch these cartoon shows, and we didn't want to buy these toys. Spider-Pig worked in Spider-Verse because he was out of place and hilarious. But DC Pets is nothing. You can't even make a good Batman movie. You canceled your <laughs> Batwoman movie. You don't know what you're doing with your own lore. Why do you think you can stretch off into pets and be successful? I mean, they Just started did. they started getting super pets back during comics when, like, I guess they were trying to get a younger audience uh, to, like, start reading or something. Uh, and they didn't work then. They don't work now. It, it is kind of dumb. But, hey, I would, I mean, I feel like some, I think the age for this is, like, four. Like, it's very young. I think a four-year-old kid would love this movie. But, well, yeah. and it had... There was some weird stuff in it, too. Like, it had 
some strangely adult humor. It even had some curse words in it that would get bleeped out in the movie. So like it had it, it. it was it was strange. It, I mean, to your point, Johan, I don't know who they're aiming this movie to be because like <laughs> for me as an adult, I didn't get very much out of it. But it didn't even seem like something that kids would like that much either. I mean, it's just interesting. Yeah. So and, it's a miss. Then, I would say it's a miss. Um, and I will say spoilers for for this. Uh, to talk about there, there's a mid or no, it's either the mid or end credit scene. I honestly can't remember which one it is. I'm gonna spoil what this is. Um, basically, in the in a credit scene, um, Crypto the Super Dog, you know, voiced by The Rock, is uh, by by James James The Rock Johnson. <laughs> He's in a park or whatever, and uh, the Black Adam version of crypto basically comes into contact with him and then black adam is also there off you know with superman and of course everybody's voiced by the rock and i just (laughs) and i'm just sitting there thinking like is this just product placement here at the end of this movie for the black adam movie like the rocks voicing crypto the rocks voicing Black Adam's dog, I think his name's Anubis or something, and then he's voicing Black Adam, who's off screen in this movie too. Just like I just, ugh, it was just gross. Hey, do you like this you children's this- movie? Go watch Black Adam skeletonize people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. who are they targeting? What are you Strange. doing? Yeah, no, fair, fair. But anyway, so that I just wanted to get that out there. DC League of Super Pets. I would say. You can pass on it or, you know, maybe put on in the background while you're doing other things once it's put on the HBO Max surface one day. <laughs> that's that's my praise for it. Oh, my God. That is just awful. All of that was just bad news. I'm John, sorry. have you been keeping up with the Orville? Yes. Have you caught up episode ten yes. season finale? All yes. of that? And now okay, I know so... now I know what you were talking about when you mentioned something okay i'll just let the i'll let the cat out of the bag episode nine we're gonna talk spoilers because it's been like two or three weeks at this point um episode nine was great it might it's the best episode of the orville so far uh the episode was called domino there was a main character death uh and there was actually a main like tertiary character death as well um it had giant story implications from the very beginning. The Krill and the Mocklins are working together now, which are not made up words. Those are two of the alien races in Orville, which I guess does make them made up words, but then every word is made up so you can eat a whole dick. Um, So the Krill are kind of like the the really treacherous, reptilian uh, methodical tactician planet. Uh, they're, uh, they're... I like to refer to them as uh, religious lizard vampires. Because that's what yes, they're... yeah. Re- religious religious lizard vampires is great. Um, <laughs> and they are just they they're they're bad. They've been bad. They don't want to be a part of the union. They uh, believe that they are pure, and their religion says that they'll kill anyone else they uh, they come in contact with. And then Mocklins, the Mocklins are just gay Klingons. Mocklins are just gay Klingons, right. They develop the biggest, baddest, boomiest weapons for the whole galaxy. 
uh, though they're not necessarily the best at using them, they make big weapons. And I'm obviously and so now, not using gay as a pejorative. They are all men. They are an all-male species, and so they, they right. reproduce that way. Um, so this episode, which was Domino, was great. It puts these two uh, factions in an alliance now against the Union for the first time because Mocklins have been part of the Planetary Union. Um, there are stories about inequality amongst the genders that permeate from the first season in through the third season and force the rift of the Mocklin culture. Uh, so it, there's there's a great background to build it coming. And then the Krill are already like bad news. And so knowing the Mocklin and the Krill are going to work together is like a huge oh crap moment that happens right on, you know, episode nine, you know, right at the end of the season. So we're, we're going to have this problem going forward. In that episode, one of the admirals from the Earth Navy fleet gets killed. Like, huge, top-tier guy, maybe one of the top three in the entire show of the guys who's calling, making decisions. And it's Ted Danson. Like, how are you going to kill Ted Danson? You just killed Ted Danson? I yeah. can't believe it. It was a good uh, death, though. It was a good death. His storyline was cool. Uh, the episode, yeah, the episode you're talking about, Domino, like, that was the one I said was, like, better than uh, the most recent, like, Star Wars movies coming out. Yeah, it really was. It's better than the Star Wars movies. It's better than Star Trek that's been coming out. Domino was just great. But it's not the kind of thing that you could just sit down and watch Domino and get it. Uh, it was a huge turning point in the season. You ha almost have to understand the narrative and who the characters are for any of it to be important, or else you'd just watch it and go, meh, it's another sci-fi show. Um, I think that everyone in the world would have liked to see Firefly keep going, but I think Firefly would have petered out, stalled out, and just not been as good. Where the Orville is the exact opposite. Maybe it could have quit after the first season and it would have been funny and remembered well, but as it continues to go on, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And, and this moment in Domino was like the, the real, oh my god, I don't think this show's going to get cancelled. I think Disney's going to hold on to the Orville forever. Um, unless Seth MacFarlane just wants to stop making it. Yeah. Uh, I'll let that thing you said about Firefly slide because I don't want to go too far of it aside, but I disagree. But anyways, yeah, the season finale came after Domino. Domino should have been the season finale. I agree with you, Gary. I agree. Yeah. Completely. 100%. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the actual finale was not <laughs> anything close to that. It was a wedding episode. Uh, with, uh, like, a return to the season one humor. Like, they really crammed some jokes in. And it wasn't unwatchable or anything, but yeah, I think they should have stopped an episode ahead. Uh, so they definitely tried to end the season on a lighthearted note. Um, another main character dies in the Domino episode. That character is the Domino. Uh, she's the one who unites the universe through her heroic actions. Um, and so it, it's a really, it, that episode I think ends with a eulogy and which is, it was really powerful and moving. It was great. It was wonderful and it should have ended there, but the show is a comedy and I guess they wanted to not leave you on that, that sour of a sad note with a character death. So yeah, it's a wedding episode and it's almost two wedding episodes in one because it starts with Bordas and Clyden renewing their vows. 
Um, <laughs> oh man, is, that was I forgot about that. That was so funny. All right, Drew. <laughs> the Mocklin, <laughs> the Mocklin vow exchange to get married and become mates. Right, one of them runs off into the woods naked, and the other one follows naked and has to catch them. And if they don't catch them, then they don't get married. But if they do catch them, then they have to have sex right there. And that's the Mocklin. And so, like, all of them are standing there watching this happen. And it's real top-tier hilarious, bro. Real funny stuff. But, uh... Yeah, they, uh, they say it's uh, it's respectful in the tradition to have witnesses so that you know that somebody wasn't just, like, giving up on the chase. You know, it has to be a heartfelt chase. <laughs> it's uh, real funny, bro. So, yeah, they're... Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Um, so, like like you know, it's funny. It's full of jokes. You laugh, uh, but all in all, it should have been. It was a filler episode, and it should have been used as filler instead of as the finale. Uh, but I'm looking forward to more Orville. I haven't read if it's been signed up for a season four, but it's one of those. It was a Fox show. Now it's a Hulu show. Will it be a Disney show? Type of question. Um, <laughs> It keeps getting passed around, but it has consistently gotten better as it's been passed around. So I think everyone, you know, Seth MacFarlane has a pretty sturdy track record. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Ted or Ted 2, uh, but people like those. Uh, and I think that Family Guy is like just really just tr- kind of trash now, but I'm not sure how involved he is anymore. There's, you know, a room full of joke writers at this point, and it was just his project at one point. Um, so it seems like he's focusing on the Orville. The Orville's great, and if people let him keep focusing on it, and as, so far as it holds his attention, um, I cannot recommend the Orville enough. <laughs> yeah, the Orville is definitely a, a must-watch. Uh, and yet, even though this was a joke filler episode, they still managed to put in the message that capitalism's evil, and it's really funny. <laughs> like they really go to town on on uh, the concept of money. But yeah, uh, or and Claire and Isaac get married, which Claire, that's Claire the big Isaac spoiler. Um, Isaac Drew is the unfeeling murder robot from across the galaxy and this one was sent on a mission of exploration to figure out like why humans do what they do or why biologicals do what they do so he's the only one in the entire fleet and during the season he had the option to feel emotions uh for like 15 minutes and then his recycler set in his brain uh so that he you know that those they're not meant to feel emotions and they don't have the right hardware to do it um, but in those moments him and the doctor felt true love they were together in a simulator on a date and so uh, it was a really interesting conversation of you know marrying a robot that can't feel that you know loves you because when you feel he loved you and it's just as real now as it was then her love's real uh, so there's just a lot of a lot of really deep cool character growth and concepts going on all throughout the whole season and, and it does it is for a reason finally uh, they've had this strange relationship through three seasons that you're kind of wondering what the point of it is. Uh, and it's nice that there's finally a point of it. Uh, yeah, watch like, the Orville. Yeah. I, I just I like hearing just how passionate you are about this show every week. And I know I know that it's been a point that um, 
I know you just need to, you have to hammer it into people that's like, watch the Orville. And I feel like I have seen some buzz about it out there, there that people are, are liking it. But I know you have the desire for it to be a bigger phenomenon than it is. And, um, I'm, yeah, man, I'm a number one fan. I, I think this is one of the sci-fi greats. It should be in the talk where Trekkies, I, I don't know where Trekkies get off thinking that they are better or bigger than Star where Wars Where do fans. Trekkies get off? Like, dude, man, Star Wars is bigger than Star Trek. Just eat a log. Like, this is not really a debate for me. Um, but I think Orville deserves to be in the same conversation if Star Trek does. If Star Trek and Star Wars deserve to be compared, then the Orville deserves to be in the conversation too See, because I think it's just as good. If it didn't have the humor, I think that it would absolutely, like, no question would be. But, you know, it's still good. Well, good. Speaking of sci-fi, um, I finally... Have you seen Lightyear, Gary? I know Drew No, did. I have not. I'll probably have watched Lightyear by the time that this podcast comes out, but I haven't seen it as of the recording. I'll talk about it briefly here, because Drew already talked about this one. But uh, I saw it. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to because I went I in. Do it, it got kind of you know it was getting kind of some bad buzz or whatever. I... <laughs> <laughs> bad buzz. Both of them, shut up. Shut <laughs> up. Both of them, shut up. I, uh, I yeah you know obviously it didn't do well at the box office but I didn't think that that was you know, related to its quality, which I thought it was okay, but but I saw a lot of negative feedback on it, too, so I'm glad to hear you liked it. Jeff. I liked it. I thought it. it was a great sci-fi show. I thought it was cool, man. The story uh, with the crystal, the time travel, like, the, the, the bad guy, uh, like, all of it came together really well. I think people, I mean, it's on Disney+. Plus. You have Disney+, Plus. I think you should go watch Lightyear. There's no reason not to if you have Disney+, Plus already. Um, definitely great family movie. Uh, there's some great inclusion in this movie, uh, great representation, and just uh, great messaging about, you know, accepting help, and which I think is a very important message that might maybe doesn't get stated enough, uh, but it's a, it's a good theme for sure, and definitely the theme of this: ask for help if you need it. Not no yeah, one could do everything uh, by themselves. I don't know if it's an American thing or if it's a male thing or just the culture that I was kind of raised Definitely in. Definitely like a male thing. A, maybe it's a suburban American thing, but asking for help is usually viewed as, you know, weak. You should be able to do it yourself. Once you're 18, you're a man. You go out and you should be making $100,000 a year and you should be able to do everything yourself. Uh, and, and even though that's not true, that's certainly the way that we are either Definitely made the way to we feel were brought or, up, yeah. Yeah, we... we we, we do feel that way, I think. And, and that extrapolates to, you know, even asking for help of someone, you know, you're going to help ask a stranger to help you bring a couch into your apartment or are you just going to rip all of your muscles out of your back and try to do it yourself? <laughs> uh, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not be tough uh, mentally and physically. It, it's tough to ask for help, you know, way tougher to ask for help than it is to do it stubbornly by yourself. Correct. And that's kind of, that's one of the major messages of this movie is, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Asking for help, you can get things done that you normally wouldn't be able to. Uh, and I hey also... Man, I wouldn't have internet if I didn't ask for help. Remember that time I <laughs> operation friendship these people? 
and then also I really enjoyed Meat Sandwich, uh, if you remember that part, uh, Drew. I do. I enjoy Meat Sandwich. It's pretty funny. And did you like Socks, the cat? The cat I like the cat. Yeah, people said they didn't like the cat. I don't know what... Nah, what socks you, rules. So socks ruled. Yeah, I liked the, the people were talking trash about the robot cat. I don't see it. No, I, no. I all the complaints that you voiced that people were having about this movie. I don't see it, man. Like this movie. Like I'm not saying this is the greatest movie of all time by any means. It was a good movie. I think it's like you know how we did our Pixar ranking um, a while back. Yeah, we did A, B, and C tiers, uh, and that's what helped. I I would put Lightyear firmly in the B tier. Solidly like, in the B. I think it would be towards the top of the B tier, for sure. Uh, definitely better than any of the Cars movies. Oh, yeah. C tier. Those are C <laughs> Just oh, by man. not having Larry the Cable Guy, you're already making a better animated movie. <laughs> Get her done! Yeah, what a, what a guy. Uh, but yeah, find us on Lightyear. Check out Lightyear, for sure. What casting director was like, I have a great idea. Let's expose all of our children to Larry the Cable Guy all at once. <laughs> uh, what an awful choice they made. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to disagree. Not going to disagree at all. Um, I guess. Are those last things on your list movies or what, Drew? One is a movie that I'll talk about because I... <laughs> So actually, um, in the movie world, in the movie podcasting world, uh, on The Ringer did a, a, a podcast on their big picture pod that was a, like a movie draft, but Quentin Tarantino was a guest on this pod. And they were talking about movies from 1987 specifically. And one of the ones that they talked about was uh, Near Dark, which is a uh, Catherine Bigelow-directed vampire movie from 1987. And this movie is very difficult to find these days. You cannot stream it anywhere. Um, it's out of print from Blu-ray and DVD, so you can buy it for super marked up on on Amazon. Or you go hop on LimeWire. Do and import the Italian Blu-ray so that you can watch it. And um, uh, don't worry, it's still in English and everything. It's still the the original movie. And uh, this movie rules. Honestly, maybe one of my favorite vampire movies. Really? Um, it's a pretty simple story about a, a young man who is, you know, bit by a vampire and, and then gets taken in by their group and kind of has to learn the ways. But then he also, like, outwardly rejects those ways and doesn't, doesn't want to be part of it. And, you know, there's a lot of movies that do vampire lore differently, but there's a lot of stuff in this one that I just I liked the way they portrayed the vampires. Um, that Bill, Bill Paxton? Paxton? Yeah. Yes, Bill Paxton's in this movie as one of them. Um, and so is Lance Hendrickson, who, you know, was just an 80s staple who was in all those movies, like, uh, he's you know, in The Terminator and Aliens and all that. But um, Oh, so yeah, Paxton, he's uh, he's the synthetic in Aliens. Yes, wow. yes. So he's the kind of the leader of the vampire clan. Bill Paxton is like is is the wild card of their clan, you know, just the one that's nuts. And he's Bill Paxton at level ten. I'm like, starting honestly, to think I've seen favorite, this. One of my favorite Bill Paxton uh, performances. There's a scene that takes place in a bar um, with all the vampires. That is is just, is there like a vampire kid? 
There is. There's part of their gangs that I've child. seen this movie. This movie's great. It is one of the best vampire movies. I've seen this. Yeah. I was like, yeah. this all looks and sounds so familiar. Yeah, I've seen this. Once you said uh, the guy was the leader of the vampire clan, I was like, wait a second. This starts... Yeah, yeah. It's and all coming together for me. Of course, you can see the ties here. Like, it's directed by Catherine Bigelow. It's one of her early films, you know, who, of course, she went on to win an Oscar for The Hurt Locker, and she did Zero Dark Thirty and Detroit most recently. She also did Point Break, of course, um, but famously was married to James Cameron um, for a while there. And so, like, it's funny because James Cameron, like Bill Paxton, was one of his guys for years. You know, Bill Paxton was in Aliens and True Lies and, uh, and Bro, Titanic. Bro, I love Bill even. Paxton. And uh, and so it's funny that she that he was in you know Catherine Bigelow's early movies there too so a tie there but um, and Lance Hendrickson too you know Aliens the connection there to Jimmy C but yeah just just some fun connections but this is a, a great eighties vampire romp that I thoroughly enjoyed and was not expecting to like it as much as I did. There's a period of time. I think my, okay, I think my favorite thing about all of this is that my best friend Drew imports Italian <laughs> Blu-rays to watch movies from the 80s. That's, I mean, that's, I I love that fact about you, Drew. That's awesome. You're a cool person. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into it, you know, because you have to have region-free free Blu-ray players, which that's a thing in itself. But, yeah, it's a it's it's a It's, a it's not just thing. something really anyone can do. <laughs> you can probably torrent this movie, but I'm not advocating that because that's illegal. That's illegal. So don't guys, do that. Don't do that. But you yeah, could, but you could torrent it, it or you could import the Italian version with your jailbroken Blu-ray player. Yeah. Regionless. It's different. The jailbroken. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, no, yeah, there was a period of time where I was going through trying to watch all the vampire movies I could find. Uh, and this this made, this got into that rotation, I guess. Uh, really good vampire movie, man. I was really excited though, because I thought this was something new that I could watch. I was like, "Yeah, this sounds great. I'm gonna I'm go sorry. watch." Sorry, no, this is old and it's not streaming anywhere. So literally, this does not help. <laughs> it doesn't help me at all. I just still had to sing its praises because I liked it so. Nah, man. If you can see this movie, go see it. I absolutely this this movie is certified fresh for me, man. Uh, I guess I'll just have to wait for the day shift with Snoop Dogg, <laughs> which which I am unironically like psyched for. Still, I I am not surprised to hear that, and I don't even mean that to to be insulting. I, I <laughs> well, will somehow, Drew. Let's be real. No, Let's kidding. be real. I'm gonna end up watching that movie. Oh yeah, Netflix um, for sure. The only other thing that I had that I wanted to mention is there's a series on Disney Plus. Um, I think it's a six-episode documentary series called Light and Magic. Have either of you checked this out? Uh, so, no. Well, no. It is. I saw the, the title screen for it, and I've watched almost all of this, uh, all the behind-the-scenes Star Wars stuff, all the behind-the-scenes like Mando stuff, uh, almost everything that Disney does behind-the-scenes and making of. So I've, I feel like I've learned about ILM and a million times and so i looked at it and was like damn like i i i want to see it and i'm interested but like i know all about ilm already and i don't know what else there is to learn i feel like disney's just cutting and pasting the same footage so and i bet a lot of this uh footage has been found in other star wars featurettes and things but i do i actually do 
recommend this. I, I would certify it fresh out the podcast. Gary, I think we, you and I talked before we even had a podcast that we were both fans of the Imagineering documentary series that was on Disney Plus when it first launched. And this is, yes, so this goes into the origins of Industrial Light and Magic and how it was created back when George Lucas was making the original Star Wars. And it goes, it has interviews with all the original people that were there, that they're all a lot older now, but them talking about their passions and their hobbies. And basically, they were a bunch of people that just really loved special effects and movies and made their own movies as kids. And it was a hobby for them to try to make their own films and they were up for anything and it's kind of how they started making models and trying new special effects for the original star Wars. And there's tons of just really great behind the scenes footage from the seventies of young George Lucas talking about it and on the set of star Wars and these guys working in a warehouse, creating the original model for the millennium Falcon and how they did some of these early X-wing shots and just how the, um, effects evolved. Oh, all that time. stuff's so cool, man. Like when I found out that all the backgrounds were painted on glass with all the story, like that was crazy, man. I was like, what? That's genius. Like you guys are so so clever. I the probably they do, do need to rewatch that because uh, I want to start making like some little. You know, I've been painting all these miniatures. So I'd love to make some little stop motion, maybe some little stop motion animations or something. So. Maybe watching something like this would help inspire. Fresh out the block studios. Let's when do it. it. When it gets into when it gets into the model making parts of it, Gary, you probably would because I mean, again, some of these things are are if you're a fan of Star Wars, they're it's not like they're secrets, but you know they used tons of model kits of cars and space, you know, ships, whatever, to cr- take the parts to make you know the spaceships and to put them on there and the wiring and everything, and it shows all that stuff though, like how. You know, if we were going to have 10 X-Wings, then we needed 10 of that model kit that we, you know, to take the parts from. And they ended up just having to buy them the models in bulk by weight instead <laughs> of certain amounts because that's the only way they could get what they needed. And just, yeah. I it, would love if one of you guys or if somebody out there is trying to make a movie, if, if you're out there and you're listening and you just want to buy models by the pound, and put me in a warehouse and tell me to figure out how to make sci-fi vehicles for you, I will do that. That sounds like a dream come true. I'll I will glue go together to... pieces. Yeah, come on. Like, this, that is a dream. That sounds awesome. I'm technically an engineer now, so <laughs> I can... I oh, can, that's right. I can come super fight. And you can 3D print stuff, so you I can am... buy a bunch of models and print what we don't need. For so those of you at home that do high. not know, I am a professional... 3D printer in the medical industry right now. So yes, I do know how to do that. Let's go make movies! So so I I do think there's a lot of these things that aren't necessarily revelations if you followed a lot of featurettes over the years, but still seeing this all in one place, some of the footage they have is truly great. Some of the old stuff, I'm like, man, I can't believe they held on to this footage, or they didn't know what they were doing at the time, and now... This is so great, and uh, I would recommend it. You know, even at the very least, it's the perfect thing to, like, if you're laying in bed and you want to watch something on TV before you go to sleep and you just need something, like, easy, easy watch, but but interesting and intriguing, I'd say throw this on. It's a six-part documentary. They're all an hour-long episode. Uh, I haven't even finished it all, but I did just want to shout it out because I've really enjoyed what I've seen of it so far. I used to love this kind of stuff, man. I remember we had a VHS that had, like, some Imagineering stuff 
uh, on it, like behind the scenes, when I was like eight, and I watched that thing over and over. I watched that thing a hundred times. I wore that tape out. But yeah, man, this sounds pretty cool. Is that your last thing? Oh, cool. It's all me now, huh? Not uh, last thing. Yeah, you got lots of bullet. I got a couple things. Fly uh, through some. I'm gonna fly through some of these for sure. Uh, so community. You guys know it from Dan Harmon, blah, blah, blah. I've been rewatching. I got through season one. Um, Get Through you might be... this before, or is this your first time? I've seen all show? of it before, yes. Okay. Uh, so Sorry. this is a rewatch for me. Um, it is still really funny, but honestly, like, some of it doesn't hold up, and some of it's not okay anymore, I think. Some of it's kind of offensive uh, to me on a, on a rewatch. Uh, so... Eh, I don't know. Like, Chevy Chase isn't, like, playing a racist old... Like, he's just doing... Ra- he's just saying racist things. Like, so racist. Like, top tier... Like, I'm like, I can't believe they got away with this ever. And, like, now I'm like, alright. Like, let's calm it down. But, yeah, um... So, Community, eh. Like, surprisingly lackluster on a rewatch for me. Which I really liked it the first time around. Uh, the theme song's about killing yourself. Huzzah! Uh, but yeah. Res Dogs Season 2 has launched. Uh, first two episodes. Did you check this out yet, Gary? No, I saw that it had launched, uh, and it was a pleasant surprise. I was happy about it. However, I didn't know if Hulu just knows me well or if Hulu was being offensive. And I'm going to hope that Hulu just knows me well because it recommended Res Dogs when Prey ended. I mean, so, I mean, this is also another native story. So, you know, it's not, I wouldn't find that offensive, I don't think. it's just go straight from uh, natives being slaughtered and slaughtering a, a predator straight into a, uh, a native-created uh, comedy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say comedy. There was some pretty dark, depressing episodes. It's very dark, season. yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there was a suicide that's central to the first season story. The second season opens up uh, with the characters still, like, spread apart a bit. Uh, two of the girls, like, are making their road trip to California to find a better life. Uh, that goes all sideways. There's a really, really funny hitchhiker scene uh, that I was crying. Uh, and then, you know... They get they really get into some of the weird stuff because there's also the spirit guide. He's he didn't go anywhere. He's still there. Uh, that guy's hilarious. Um, and then I don't know. It's a good show still. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's still a solid show. Recommend seeing it. It is an all native cast and all native, I believe, like direction and writing as well. So and it looks like the whole thing shot on a res too. If I were if I, I were a betting man, it does appear to be shot on a res. Uh, but yeah, another great example of native stories uh, being told finally on Hulu. So good job, Hulu. I don't know what to say about that, but good job. Um, that's all I've been watching. Everything else I have to talk about. Is video game related. I don't know if you guys uh, pl- still play Mario Kart, but if you have the expansion pass, which is just like the more expensive um, monthly Switch Online, you know, you get access to N64 stuff. You also get ex- uh, free, sometimes they'll give you free like uh, expansions for games. Uh, I know Happy right, Home. The big Animal Crossing one was a part of that. Yeah, Happy Home Decorator is free there. Uh, they recently did another free one that was big. I forget what it was. But right now, the Mario Kart Booster Expansion Pass, they're releasing eight cups, right? They're doing them two at a time. 
two were already out. Two more came out like this past week. Um, and man, they're really cool. They have some good ones on there. They have the train level from N64 on there, which was one of my favorites. Uh, Calamari Desert. They also have uh, Waluigi Pinball was one of the levels. That was pretty cool. Um, you're playing in a giant pinball cabinet. They have a lot of... Uh, they had two that I can remember from the phone game, Mario Kart Tour. They had New York and they had Sydney. And then they also had some original, like, brand new tracks. Like, they had this one where you're, like, flying around ice cream cones and stuff. Uh, me and Jen played them, like, before we, we did the podcast... Play through both cups. They were challenging, they were fun, and there were some, like, retro hits. Like, I remember one from an SNES game, Mario Kart, uh, that was brought back a lot of fond memories. But, yeah. So, worth checking out if you're a fan of Mario Kart. They're releasing new tracks right now. I don't know if you're aware. Um, this next one is one... I'm not going to mention it. I'm just going to mention that I bought it and played it a little bit because I didn't get enough time with it to form an opinion. But Digimon Survive, which was a game that was, like, rumored to be coming out for a long time. It's supposed to have, like, slightly more adult, like, you know, people can die kind of theming. Like, it's not necessarily a kid's game. Uh, but it is a Digimon game. You're in, like, a summer camp. Things go awry. Digital world. Blah, blah, blah. But it is a turn-based tactics, like, grid uh, game. Like, much like Final Fantasy Tactics, you know, you have your Digimon. And if you get it within the first month... You get free, you get a couple extra free Digimon. Um, I got it. I haven't gotten to play it enough to form an opinion. So far, it seems like a pretty deep strategy uh, game. So I'm pretty excited. Um, the next thing I want to talk about in the game world, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Netflix has games now. Did you know that? <laughs> if you go. I did. I did know Netflix has their gaming division that they've been trying to get into for a while. I'm not even sure how you access it do it i yeah, if I you go know. so if you go into netflix right now on your phone uh maybe on tablets too uh any mobile device where you can play app games um netflix has a game section and a lot of them are things you would expect like the stranger things games you can download them you don't play them through netflix they give you access to download them for free through the app store essentially uh, one of the games I was really surprised by, because it's a game I love, I've never talked about it on the show before that, I don't think, Into the Breach, which is a turn-based, also a turn-based strategy game. I would almost say it like, has some puzzle elements to it, in where you're trying to save Earth from an insect invasion, uh, but it is also a roguelike, because every time you fail, uh, your pilot ejects from the entirety of reality into the next reality to try to save that one instead. Uh, really sick. You get three mechs. They have pre-built teams in it um, where like it's like this guy, this guy, this guy. But you can also do custom teams when you unlock certain mechs. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Pretty deep strategy in it. Very difficult game. But the reason I bring this one up specifically, I saw it on the Netflix thing. I was like, man, that would make a killer anime. <laughs> for Netflix to make. So I got really excited uh, about that potentiality. Uh, but yeah, Netflix has games now. You can download them for free, including Into the Breach. If you like strategy games, turn-based games, it's free if you have Netflix on your phone. Like That's what I'm telling you. They also had a bunch of other ones that were actually solid, full games that I was impressed by. I was like, oh shit, that's a pretty decent list. Um, free. 
with your subscription. If you have, most people have Netflix. I don't know, like it's on your phone. Go ahead, go play some games. Um, recently, so this is Jenny's like all-time favorite game franchise, Overcooked. Have you ever played Overcooked, Drew? I have. Have you played it, Gary? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Overcooked is one of the best multiplayer games, one of the best party games. So fun to yell at each other about needing rice. Like, I need rice! What are you, like, getting angry at somebody because you don't have enough rice and yelling in your living room is fun. Like, part of the fun me and Jenny have is actually me yelling at her. Uh, she, she thinks it's really funny. But, uh, Overcooked All You Can Eat Edition is all the content, including DLC from, uh, Overcooked 1 and 2. All of it. All the content. One game. Uh, it gives you, like, the full roster of every costume for every chef, too. Like, everything all in one. That's why they call it all you can eat. Uh, Overcooked's a great game at home. If you haven't tried it, check it out. All You Can Eat Edition's a great way to get into it. Um, and then the last thing that I played... I've been doing a lot of video games this week. The last thing I played was with Gary... Uh, we got on Xbox Game Pass, uh, Plant vs. Zombie Battle for the Neighborhood, specifically. There's like nine different Plant vs. Zombie shooter games. This one was really cool. Uh, I was joking with Gary that this is just better Overwatch. Because it kind of is. Like, it plays just like Overwatch. You know, you pick your class, and you're doing very similar objectives. But it's better than Overwatch, because Overwatch is overrated and shitty now. Uh... That game was fun, man. Uh, I, I really like the imp class on the zombie team. You're like a little guy with like little pew pew. You're like a, like you go gank people behind lines. Or you can summon your mech and then just really go to town on people. Uh, surprisingly good game. Like I wasn't sure how to feel about it. Even like the single player stuff was pretty fun. Um, if you have kids, I say like that's a good game for them, man. It's free on Game Pass right now. It is child appropriate. Um, and it was fun. I liked it. You could play it with your kids. Uh, I'm not sure if there's couch co-op. There might be, though. I think I saw an option to have somebody join in. Uh, there is couch co-op, and you can play the couch co-op online. Excellent. So you can split screen play online with your family. Yeah, it's completely family appropriate. Cartoon violence. Uh, really funny music that just makes you laugh out loud. Uh, when you complete objectives at the end of the map, instead of just saying which team wins, there's always kind of a funny, cute cutscene. Uh, you know, for someone who is a fan of Veggie Tales growing up, right? Uh, imagine all the fun of Veggie Tales <laughs> with all the horrible Christian values stripped out of it. Were you here? Did you hear Drew talking about Veggie Tales before the pod? No. Me and Drew had a whole thing about Veggie Tales. I sang the entire theme song to Jahan. And then I said a bunch of wildly offensive stuff about, about Christianity. But hey, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll that leave sounds, that off. That sounds like stuff that you guys would do. No, uh, VeggieTales goes hard. Yeah, no, VeggieTales <laughs> is awesome. So imagine VeggieTales with guns versus zombies. Uh, yeah, now you're now you're in the right headspace. Um, yeah, that's a Battle for Neighborville, and that's a great one. Um, and I think it released in 2019, but it had... Uh, support all the way up to 2021. And it's done very well, so I'm sure EA will make another one, knowing how EA is. But they could also ruin anything at any time, because that's how how they roll. They're the real, Um, they're the Warner Brothers of of video games. 
Speaking of Warner Brothers, thank you, Jahan. I was going to try to figure out how to get there. Um, the new Harley Quinn season three show is out on HBO Max. It's out? Uh, yeah, I know everyone's a, a big fan of the Harley Quinn cartoon. Season three is out. And it looks like the whole season dropped at once on HBO Max. I need to go watch uh, that. I, I started watching it. Uh, very funny. More of the same. I mean, you know what to expect by, by season three. I've still yet uh, to see something funnier than her accidentally giving somebody cancer with a super science gun. That was the height. <laughs> that was the height of comedy for me. I'm going to go home and spend time with my kids. Like, so good. it was a, it was a really welcome change of pace. Like I had told you, I had, I had just watched Suicide Squad because I had to, and then to be able to turn around and watch the Harley Quinn cartoon was like such a breath of fresh air. Um, it, it's violent and it's raunchy. It's certainly not appropriate for kids. It is an HBO cartoon comedy for adults. If you haven't checked out Harley Quinn, you should. It finally, it's more of the Harley Quinn distance from Joker character. I like the independent Harley Quinn. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Stockholm Syndrome slave to Joker type of Oh, yeah. Apparently there was a whole thing with people who were like, we want to see a relationship arc with Joker. And the creators were like, that's never going to happen in this show. So don't worry. She's not going (laughs) back to him. She's a strong, independent woman. Yeah, and, and I love this version of Harley Quinn, and that's the one we're getting in the movies, too. And I, I'm just glad that, you know, this character was invented on the 90s cartoon show, so we have gotten to grow up with this character. And we are watching Harley Quinn as a character evolve, and I like this version more than the version we were given in the beginning. Uh, I, I like this. I like the show. I like what we're seeing. Uh, for video games, I only have one, and it's Rogue Book. I picked it up on sale. It's a roguelike oh. deck builder, and I'm a roguelike deck builder guy. You guys know that. Um, Roguebook was designed by the guy who designed Magic the Gathering. What? Something. Yeah. And so it, it's it's his take at a roguelike deck builder. Um, I don't know what to say other than it, it's, you know, you pick a character. The whole thing's storybook uh, themed. So you pick a character, uh, and then you pick your second character. You have a front guy and a back guy. You have attacks and defenses. If you throw a defense, your back guy will go to the front because he's defending. Uh, So whoever's defending goes to the front. But whoever's attacking can attack from front or back. Um, As you progress through the story, you're opening up hexagons around you, empty hexagons, and you're trying to get to the end of the chapter. So when you open those up, you can choose to go and do extra fights or try to buy treasure or you can go straight for the boss fight without getting any more cards or treasure. Uh, Just like every good roguelike game, the more you play, the more cards you unlock. The more you play, the more passive artifacts there are to make your deck build stronger, like vamp hits that give your character's life back or ongoing damage. Um, You know, roguelikes just, they're always developing, they're always changing, and and you almost have to change your strategy on the fly. But is Uh, it good? Yes. Yes, it is good. There's a character who summons frogs. You can summon ten frogs a turn, and the frogs just do one damage at the end of your turn. <laughs> uh, I made a I made a frog deck build that whenever you summon frogs, you summon twice as many frogs, and then whenever you do damage, you summon frogs. Uh, and every turn, I would summon ten frogs. So I would always summon twenty frogs, and then I had an AOE attack that would summon like thirty six more frogs. 
Uh, and so by the end of the game, the end of the run, which I did beat, I had like 350 frogs out for the boss fight. Uh, super fun. Roguelike games are sort of meant to do that. If you can find a tactic that really works and get all the cards that work, you're going to win that run. Uh, and, and that's sort of the fun of a roguelike. It, it doesn't happen often. You'll lose a lot. But when you dump 254 frogs on a boss and every turn they're taking 200 damage and can't do anything about it, that's when you really have the fun. That's when you're, that's when you're playing roguelike, yeah. Yeah. That's I think, I, think I speak for everyone when I say, that's a lot of frogs, Gary. <laughs> that's, yeah, and, and I couldn't help but reference Alex Jones the entire time. I was like, <laughs> I'm turning the frogs gay. Turning the frogs gay. So, yeah, they, it was a good time. I had a blast. If you're into roguelike deck builders, keep an eye out for Roguebook. I, I know it's been on Steam. It's been on PC for a while. Now it's on Xbox. And I, if you like terrible lawyers, check out the Alex Jones trial. <laughs> oh, man. So, speaking of terrible lawyers, John, you know I've been stuck watching local TV, right? Oh, God. So... When you're stuck watching local TV, you get local loyal co- lawyer commercials. Mm-hmm. And so I now know that if I get into a motorcycle crash, no, if I get into a motorcycle crash in northern New Mexico, I need to call the Law Tigers. That's what I know. That's what I've learned. Uh, and that's that's all I have is the the I'm out on the Law Tigers of New Mexico. <laughs> it's a good place what to a go. great note to end on oh man uh, yeah thank you everyone for listening to the Fresh Out the Podcast episode 58 uh, I've been Jahanadon at Rock on Twitter uh, hit us with hashtag the law tiger <laughs> on Twitter yes. uh, yeah it's me Casualty CDG and it's been a pleasure as always it was a lot of fun Uh, Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your students and your enemies, and tell that homeless guy outside your window that you don't want to make eye contact with. Look over there at him. Look Look at him. Roll down your window. Yeah, he's going to think you're going to give him money. Go. Hey, go. Look, hey, stretch out the podcast as soon as the light turns green and then get out of there. All right. Thanks, guys. Fresh out the podcast does not advocate for the teasing of homeless individuals. I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And as they've said, this is episode 58 of Fresh Out the Podcast. Thank you for listening. Stay fresh. Stay fresh. You stay fresh. You stay fresh.